This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. I'm Gavin Wilshaw. I'm the uh, Digitization and Digital Engagement Manager at the University of Edinburgh Library. Um, so the main part of my, my current role is around about digitization activity. Um, so manage a team of photographers and digitization assistants and imaging professionals, people who basically photograph and scan objects and items from the heritage collection. So that's uh, the university is about four, over 400 years old. So we build built up a lot of interesting stuff over the years. And yeah, my team is the guys that get the, the lucky chance to photograph them. So we have all the rare books and manuscripts, paintings, museum objects, all that kind of stuff random things like we've got a sample of Alexander Fleming's mold that he gave, he donated to the library um, and also <laughs> we've got a painting of um, Sean Connery posing as a life model um, from the Edinburgh College of Art as well so it's completely random it's all the rare books and archives but also random things uh, like that so that's my sort of day job managing that I'm also obviously a very enthusiastic uh, Wikimedian as well tried to sort of it's not really in the job description, but I've tried to kind of bring that in wherever possible into to the work that I've been doing. So I've run, a, I've run a few events at the University of Edinburgh and some projects at the National Library of Scotland where I've worked previously. And I've also kind of the self-appointed title of being the Wikimedian in residence for Portobello in Edinburgh, where I, where I live. Um, so I've kind of given myself that title. I, I don't feel like I have enough time to really do that justice, but I've done a fair bit of work here in terms of getting kind of local people involved in um, writing articles about people and buildings and that kind of stuff in the area. So yeah, really, really, really interested in Wikimedia and trying to kind of shoehorn it into my job a bit more as well. Do you like the idea of appointing yourself a local Wikimedia residence? I might, mm. I might take that uh, and run with that myself because I've been doing similar lockdown activities uh, going yeah, around yeah, too. No, I recommend it. Brilliant, brilliant. So yeah. how, how did you get involved in Wikimedia projects and I suppose more specifically us here at Wikisource? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think with Wikipedia, like a lot of people, I probably always used it um, in terms of as a information source, a way of finding out information, but it was only really 2014, 2015 or so when we, um, me and some colleagues at the University of Edinburgh got training from Ali Crockford, who was the, she was the Wikimedian in residence at the National Library of Scotland. I think she was the first Wikimedian in Scotland. Um, so she, as part of her job, she was doing a lot of outreach work. So got trained up at a Scottish Women in Medicine Editathon, yeah, 2014-2015 or so. And I just, I just had that experience that I think a lot of people have of that kind of spending a couple of hours res researching someone, writing an article, and then that whole thing about seeing, checking Google a couple of days later and seeing that thing that you've written kind of appearing at the top of the search results. So that was that was obviously the kind of the hook that I think a lot of people get is that you kind of really can very quickly see the impact of what you've what you've done um, and it's nice kind of looking back even going, going back to that kind of first article I wrote and seeing that there's been sort of 20 or 30 different people have all edited that article since I first created it so you kind of that feeling of kind of creating something and releasing it into the wild and then just letting it go take its natural course and yeah that just that's always just found that really interesting um, and of course working in, in libraries just very much aware of the sort of importance of, of the Wikimedia projects as ways of raising awareness of collections and services and, and generally that whole kind of open 
open knowledge agenda, how, how libraries can kind of feed into that. So that's kind of been my sort of professional interest in it, is how we can feed more of the stuff that we do into these platforms to improve the, improve them, improve the quality of them, but also raise the awareness of, of the sort of unique items and objects and things that we have in our collections as well. So that was my kind of entry point into Wikipedia. And I suppose since then, I just kind of tinkered a lot with, with the different projects, particularly I, I managed a big project at the university to digitize the PhD thesis collection. Um, and as I was mentioning, the university is several hundred years old, so the collection goes back several hundred years. So I tried to use a lot of the stuff that we digitized in that collection and sort of do little pilots on, on Wikimedia projects. So one of those was Wikisource. So we loaded one of the, the we loaded one of the um, PhD theses into Wikisource um, just as a kind of a test, really, to sort of see how it, how it all worked. And yeah, for the benefit of listeners who might not know what Wikisource actually is, um, so Wikisource is Wikimedia's online library of, of digitized out-of-copyright books, kind of similar to sort of Project Gutenberg or some of these other platforms. It's lots and lots of, of, of digitized material that's out of copyright, so you can do whatever you like with it. And yeah, we thought let's let's try uploading one of our PhDs to see what the process is like, what the benefits would be like, that sort of thing. And I think one of the big things that we noticed is that when we uploaded this thesis, it was getting clicked on a lot more. The the, the wiki source copy was clicked on something like ten times more than the original item was downloaded from the from the repository over a period of sort of six months. So I think it was downloaded something like. 15, 20 times from the repository, but it was the page was viewed over over a couple of hundred times on Wikisource. Um, so just a really obvious um, example of how putting stuff in these platforms kind of it, it does lead to to more exposure, even if there's no way of kind of assessing the quality or the value. What were they clicking on it for? You don't know, but you're still having those kind of quite stark difference in numbers really to show there was value in putting stuff on Wikisource. And again, things like with search results. Again, if you Googled, if you Googled the, the thesis title, the Wikisource one would always come up higher than our own repository one because of the quality of the search engine optimization. Um, so yeah, that was the kind of the real, my real interest in Wikisource was just seeing that it could have, it could raise awareness of, of, of theses or collections items. And obviously when something's on Wikisource, it can then be linked into all the other Wikimedia projects. So the, the Wikisource thesis linked to the author's article page on Wikipedia, for example. So it's it's embedded in that sort of open knowledge network rather than just floating in on its own sort of page on a library repository. It's actually embedded in the kind of the, the bigger picture of of Wiki. So yeah, that, that was that was kind of how a journey to, to Wikisource. Um, but we never really I never really got a chance to do much more than just this dabbling, like uploading a book. Um, and seeing how it went, but that all changed. That was one of the one of the few benefits of, of the lockdown was that when I was working at the National Library last year, is that I got the opportunity to do a really big bulk upload of digitized books to Wikisource. So yeah, we took we took that advantage the advantage of the opportunity. Essentially, there was a lot of library staff who had to work from home, but because of the nature of their roles, they didn't really have much that they could be doing from home. So things like the guys who fetch the books from the stacks. So their job is to find books and deliver them to the customers. Obviously, when they're um, working from home, there's kind of not much they can do in terms of their day-to-day -day job. Same with a lot of the customer-facing roles. Certainly in that initial period of lockdown, I think after some time, obviously, there became a, a digital interface was developed so that staff 
customer facing staff could, could still continue doing their job. But in the initial few months when it was really just trying to find work for people to do that was useful, this, this uh, was a really great opportunity to, to get a lot of people involved in Wikisource. Because um, it does take time if you add something to Wikisource, it requires quite a lot of manual work to make them, the, the books suitable for use. Um, so, yeah, essentially we uploaded about 3,000 um, Scottish chapbooks. So these are, chapbooks are like, what are they? They're kind of cheap reading material that was circulated at things like fairs and on the streets and in pubs and taverns in the sort of 18th and 19th century, kind of before there was much of a mass media in terms of newspapers and that kind of thing. So it, it, would, it would tend to be a, a mixture of news and scandal and gossip and stories. So lots of things like um, accounts of murders and um, shipwrecks and love stories and ballads and all this kind of stuff. So it's really interesting from a sort of social history perspective. Um, and you tend to have somebody would buy one of these from a, a chat man and then they'd like read it to an audience. So it's kind of like a, it was kind of like a, a pre-modern way, I suppose, of sharing news and gossip and that kind of thing. So the content is really interesting. It's not, they're not dry. So we, yeah, we've got 3,000 of these, so we uploaded them and onto Wikisource. And there's a big, basically a big project to get people looking at through these. Um, the actual work itself was, um, because when, when you add something to Wikisource, you run it through um, an automated transcription process called OCR, Optical Character Recognition. So you, yeah, you load the books onto Wikisource, software reads the text and kind of automatically generates a transcription but there's always a lot of errors in them because the software is not perfect. And especially these books have got lots of the kind of archaic letters and things in them as well, like the, uh, the long S and the, the AE letter, I don't know what it's called. Um, so even though an automatic transcription has been made, it requires humans to check the transcriptions and correct errors. So that was what we got staff doing really is um, checking those errors and making sure that the transcriptions were fully accurate. Ultimately, the intention was that if we load all the books onto Wikisource, correct all the errors in the OCR, create 100% accurate transcriptions, and then export those transcriptions back into our own repository so that we could then have really good quality transcriptions for people who want to use the collection. So if somebody wants to like do a keyword search, things will, will work. And similarly, for things like digital scholarship, if, some, if somebody wants to do some text mining or data mining of the collection, they've got a, a completely accurate transcription then it allows it means that the results are much more accurate so yeah that was the kind of um that was the intention and uh, behind why we did that and um yeah it was it was really positive overall yeah so what was what was you're saying it's, it's positive but what was the response from the staff how did they react to to such a, a unique i suppose or very different uh, project i would say that the initial response was like what is this thing <laughs> i think that was probably the first the first challenge was just that whole bit about kind of making people understand I, th I think even what people understand what Wikipedia is but I don't think there's a lot of understanding around about um the other projects some people maybe wiki commons have a, people have a bit of an understanding that that's kind of where the fight the photos and the files and that sort of thing sit but yeah wiki source is a, a bit more um off the, the beaten track in that sense so yeah the initial response was kind of like not sure what this is but I could very quickly make the case for the value of engaging with it, engaging with it, as I just kind of mentioned. So once staff got into it, they're really enthusiastic, particularly as, as I was saying, a lot of the staff who worked on the collection didn't really get the opportunity to work with collections very much. So people go, okay, guys may be fetching books from the shelves. We don't get to open the books very often. 
or security staff, for example, who, who, who provide a, an important function for the building, but they don't, they don't really perform a library function. They're just kind of, it's a fairly generic kind of security role. So people who, who didn't normally get to see the collections themselves were now given this opportunity to kind of go through things page by page and really get a, a better understanding of, um, of some of the collections that we had. So we had, yeah, in total, there was a, at its peak, there was about 70 people uh, seven zero people working on the project at any one time so that was about 20 percent or so of the library staff i mean not not everyone was working out full time it was a bit of a kind of a mix between um, people doing a bit in, in sort of downtime or, or whatever but um it was it was it was really good and it, it gave the staff kind of something um a bit of a, a shared experience something to work on particularly though i think we kind of forget how difficult and traumatic those early weeks of lockdown were when nobody really knew how long this was going to be going on for and how dangerous the virus was. And I think now we're kind of beginning to adjust life to accept that we, we, we're now going to have to live with, with this and the world is kind of slowly getting back to some sort of normality. But in those early weeks in sort of March, April last year, I think nobody really knew what was happening. It was the first time a lot of people had worked from home. So I think it gave, working on a project like this kind of gave them a sort of, bit of a shared positive shared experience to, to, to sort of keep people connected in a sort of difficult time when everyone was suddenly stuck at home and couldn't see each other. It gave like a, a nice project to bring the library community together. So that that was kind of fed, yeah, people kind of fed that back at the end. And I think it also, it just helped with sort of digital skills as well. People who maybe didn't have, didn't use computers very much in their day-to-day -day jobs were now kind of, they've now learned the basics of, sort of HTML code. <laughs> Because uh, Wikisource doesn't have a visual editor like Wikipedia has, so it, it's it's a bit more. It requires things like yeah, a bit more tagging and um, using up some very basic code to things like the sort of position text on a page and that sort of thing. And um, so yeah, people did develop those skills they didn't have before, so I think that was a really really positive thing. And certainly from from my perspective, it's kind of it raised awareness of of Wikimedia because all those people had to create Wikimedia accounts. Um, and we got some good sessions in from, from Ewan McAndrew and Sarah Thompson came and did a really good talk to all the, the team about Wikipedia and Wikisource. And I think there was a few events running over the summer. So basically people were just getting a lot more engaged. And we, we ended up setting up a, a community of interest for the National Library of Scotland, which is, is I think, is, is still running and it sort of meets every month or so. So it's kind of got, had more of a lasting effect that people have had this exposure to it and they've, they've seen what it is they've learned a bit more about it and it's now become a bit more part of the library's work i think some staff as well have started to kind of do it as part of their day-to-day -day job now as well so it's actually almost become sort of coming embedded to some extent in what people are doing on a day-to-day -day basis so staff who maybe work at a, a service desk who have kind of quiet periods when there's not much happening in the reading room for example this is kind of a task that they could do they could log into wikisource make a few corrections in the transcription that sort of thing log out again so it's a perfect it's a perfect piece of work to do when there's like those five or ten minutes of downtime when you want to do something a little bit different want a little bit of break from your day-to-day -day. so that's that, that was beginning to be built into some people's jobs as well so that's and that's a really positive thing making it sustainable so yeah so that was the kind of the staff itself and i think yeah the senior management were, were very happy to have something that could keep something of, of value that people could be working on during during the early months of the lockdown. I think that that sense of, um, I suppose, almost, it wasn't quite community care, but that sense of, um, I suppose, having that sense of connection with your colleagues, I think that's that's yeah. a really interesting outcome from it and that there was kind of a shared goal 
something that you're all working towards in a rather, I suppose, like you were saying, quite frightening period of time without really being aware of how frightening it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even just even things like Microsoft Teams and stuff. Like I, I think a lot of people talk about how, how useful video conferencing has been and that, that has been really useful, but even just having the kind of opportunity for chats and doing things like doing little quizzes and stuff with the group as well. So not necessarily related to the work at all, but we tried to do kind of like a weekly quiz for people um, who were part of this community as well and try and make it as a social thing as well, not purely a work-related thing. So yeah, um, I think that was, from my perspective, that was one of the really surprising but really good outcomes. I mean, I think when we first started, my intention was really, we want to get these accurate transcriptions. That was that was it really. I didn't really think about that kind of all the other positives it was going to have in terms of skills development and building a community and yeah awareness raising about wikipedia and all that kind of stuff so did uh did anybody get competitive uh, did they get... i'm not sure because it's because it doesn't um there's no obvious way of seeing who's done the most it's not like with um one lib one lib one ref where you've got your leaderboard or you can kind of clearly see who's who's done what it's it tended to be, the motivation tended to be that people were interested in the collection and they, they liked it and because the um the books that we loaded were all quite small they're sort of like 10 15 pages they're little pamphlets rather than anything so you're not talking about somebody sitting through a sort of 600 page book over chipping away at it over a month it was very much manageable you could spend a few hours to do an entire story so you could read it from the start to finish you, you could you could find out what happened in the the murder case or whatever it wasn't it's not just like doing some random pages from a random book you actually got to sort of the person who's taken do it from start to finish you'd actually get to, to read it and experience the the content as well as just doing the transcription but yeah i wasn't aware of any competitiveness but not to say there wasn't in that way it's i suppose it's more similar to I suppose, letter transcribing like you were saying because it's, yeah. it's quite a compact piece and you get the full the full arc Exactly. Yeah, it's much more, much more similar to that. Like they're just a little A5 booklet kind of thing. So, yeah, people like that, that experience. You've alluded to, to quite a number of the, the benefits, you know, especially mm. I think that, you know, bringing the transcription back into the library system, that kind of thing. I mean, but, you know, are there any other, I suppose, um, reasons why working with a project like Wikisource is a good idea for, from a library perspective? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I probably have kind of touched on most of the main ones I can think about. I mean, I think that that increasing the exposure to collections is obviously a big one. I think we did we did some very initial, very unscientific tests, just looking at um, number of clicks on five or six of them. And I think it was, I can't remember, the, I can't remember what the, the actual thing was, but it was several thousand page views um, across, yeah, per day across all of the, the items that we uploaded. So maybe, I don't know, between five and five five or so page views per day per item kind of thing. So if you multiply that by three thousand, you're talking about potentially sort of fifteen thousand page views of collections material that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been on on Wikisource. Again, it's very hard to kind of compare page views versus file downloads because they're kind of, it's, it's sort of maybe the motivations for them are a bit different. But it's certainly yeah, increasing exposure is a massive thing. Um, I think, like I mentioned before, the fact that it's, it's all linked together, so you can um, you can build you can you can yeah. If, if one of the chat books, there were things like there was, there were some Burns Robert Burns poems in the chat books, so they could then be linked to other works by Robert Burns, um, linking to his the, like the Wikidata page on Robert Burns and the Wikipedia page. So it, it just kind of yeah, link. It's just that whole kind of linking information and linking data together, 
which we wouldn't have had previously. So again, that helps to kind of drive um, information and, and awareness of, of the collection. The staff skills side of things, which I mentioned, digital skills development. And I think just having that, having that better quality OCR transcription embedded back into the, the repository, the library's repository, means that we can do a lot more stuff with the collection. So yeah, I, I probably, I don't think there was much, I think I probably touched on a lot of that already, to be honest, but that's, they are the kind of the big, the big things. I suppose um, one thing as well that it did was it, it gave the digitize, so I was, I, was, I was managing the digitization team and my team basically ran the whole project. So I sort of, I got the project up and running, but then sort of delegated it to the staff and the team. And these guys were, most of the guys who, who were then running the project were sort of digitization staff who, their job's very important, but it's quite often a, a bit tedious, like turning pages and pushing a button to scan stuff. So yeah, really useful in terms of creating digital resources, but there wasn't a huge amount of variety in terms of their work, but they were suddenly given this kind of opportunity to run a project and we gave different members of the team and um, different responsibilities. So one person got to like wrote up the guidance documentation. So that's like, sort of like a new experience for them to do that. Um, somebody else was kind of doing managing the kind of communication side of things in teams. Somebody else was kind of responsible for the kind of the bulk upload of the files in the first place. So we tried to sort of split things up, which meant that everybody got the opportunity to kind of almost empowering people who maybe thought that their job was just to scan books kind of suddenly they sort of maybe realized, oh, I can do a lot, like I can do, a, got a lot more to contribute to this than, than my current role. So um, I think that was really important as well, um, just kind of in terms of giving people sort of confidence to explore new things and, and, and look beyond the sort of confines of their existing jobs and their existing roles and that kind of thing. So yeah, that was, that was another kind of slightly kind of really unexpected, but really positive um, outcome from, from that as well. Well, there you go. You've covered, you've covered the unexpected and positive, the positive outcome. And I think that, that covers both, both <laughs> personal and professional, I think, from your point of view and yeah, and the staff that you've yeah. worked with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. What do you think, you know, would you take any kind of learning outcomes yourself or how would it affect that you, you know, attack a project like this uh, in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think probably the biggest learning outcome, which I'll be very sort of candid about, is that um, if if somebody, if, if an organisation is wanting to use Wikisource for our original intention, which was which was to get these high uh, high quality transcriptions, it's probably not the best tool for doing that. Like, if if, if all you want is to get really accurate transcriptions for your digitised collections. You're, there's probably other things you could, other software that specifically do that and nothing else. With Wikisource, there is a lot of other stuff around in terms of kind of like uh, guidance for formatting and how, how you do things. And there's obviously, once you contribute something to an open knowledge uh, project like this, you've, caught, you've kind of got a bit of a responsibility to adhere to those standards and to, to communicate with the community. And it's, it's a bit more of a two-way thing. It's not just like, I'm getting this software, push the button, got a nice transcription. You've actually got it's a bit more of a kind of a community and a dialogue and all those things probably meant that we didn't quite get through as much as we maybe thought we were going to. But I think all the, all the benefits that I've mentioned before, probably I would say kind of far outweigh that, even though that was our original kind of driver for, for, taking, for putting this stuff onto Wikisource. So yeah, I think that's definitely a learning thing is that you probably don't necessarily want to upload everything to Wikisource 
I think in, in future projects, you, I would probably want to sort of highlight what are the uh, it's two or three or a handful of key texts and sort of try and, try and establish that what's the demand, what's the interest, and try and kind of focus on getting those really good rather than, it's, it's not for me, it's maybe it's, maybe it will change with new software and stuff, but it's, it's not really a, a bulk upload thing unless you've got a huge community of people who can dedicate lots of their time. I think the, the actual like, the Wikisource community itself is quite small. Um, there's, not, there's not thousands of editors in the way that like, Wikipedia has, for example. So if you were to bulk upload a thousand books to it, you've either got to have staff or people, volunteers who can help out with that or it doesn't, it won't happen. It'll just probably sort of like the project won't, maybe won't be so successful. So yeah, I think the big learning thing from that is probably it's great for developing skills and empowerment and a lot of the things I mentioned, but it's probably not the best tool if, you, or if all you want is good quality transcriptions. Um, but yeah, I learned, I mean, the community is incredibly friendly, so helpful, because we didn't really tell anybody that we were going to do that. We just kind of started doing this and we, we didn't really sort of, communicate particularly in advance with the community but it really was so um, helpful and they just they took a lot of time to sort of explain the process because the um, wiki source is not massively well documented in terms of the, the steps um, that need to be done so we, we kind of agreed some um, standards with them and just yeah that that whole thing was um, was really great that the community is very supportive so yeah I think for, for, for future projects it'd be probably much more around about identifying small high value high 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 demand items and, and putting those up and then when you put them onto Wikisource then put, putting in that time to kind of properly link it all into the other projects making sure that the author's got a good Wikipedia page and that the wiki data is well is well done and that sort of thing. I was actually going to going to mention that is that it would Wikidata be something that perhaps that would be the you know especially if you're talking about very niche mm. literature would that perhaps be the gateway and then mm if time resources allowed then you can bring in kind of the layer of wiki source later yeah i mean yeah from certainly from from the digitization point of view um i've always hoped that we'd be able to one day build a step into our workflow so that basically anything that we digitize with its metadata can immediately go up onto wikimedia commons that's kind of we're not quite there yet and we're, we're nowhere near that we're not even tested it yet but that's always been something long term that i'd like to do is rather than it having to be a thing where you kind of somebody manually does a bulk upload it was just a, basically as part of the kind of the whole workflow a copy gets put onto wikimedia commons but i'm kind of increasingly coming around to the realization that yeah wikidata is kind of where you should really you kind of need to start with wikidata and once you get everything in there maybe you then can build those extra layers on top of that like you were saying but yeah, Wikidata is an area that I have not got massive experience of. And I mean, I've done this sort of training and done a few bits and bobs to understand how it works, but haven't really tackled it in, in, in much, um, much detail yet. Before I, I let you go, is there anything else you wanted to mention about uh, your experience with this or anything you didn't get to say? Yeah, um, just so <laughs> we were really lucky because we actually ended up winning the Wikimedia UK award for the partnership of the year last year. So in, in terms of things that were a wee bit of a surprise we yeah we got so the the national library scotland and we can, got the sort of partnership of the year award partly for some of the other work that we were doing but i think mainly for this project um so that was that was really nice um i, I attended the agm last year and then just kind of had to go away and do some other stuff and then just kind of check, following on twitter and it's like oh and the winner of partner of the year is national library of scotland it's like, oh wow that was, that was a really nice 
really nice surprise. But yeah, so that was that was great. So that was kind of really good. So it was kind of reward and, and, and sort of positive message to show like the library and all the staff about the value of, of taking taking part in this this project. Yeah, acknowledgement is very important because it can't just kind of feel like you're throwing stuff into the into the void. So to get yeah. that, no, it's really good. Yeah, and it was good because the National Library of Scotland and the Edinburgh Uni have, have always got a bit of a sort of very friendly rivalry. Um, and obviously, I'm back. I'm now back in the university camp. But when I was at the National Library of Scotland, it was nice because we we pipped them to that because I think they finished. They were like runners up in in the partnership of the year. So that was always uh, always nice. To, you see, now next year you have to swing it the other way. You have to bring the bring the board award with you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Definitely not. Might have missed the boat for this year, but yeah, maybe next yeah. year. Same high. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, in terms of kind of general wiki stuff, I'm, I'm trying to develop that a lot more at the University of Edinburgh Library. So, um, kind of stolen the idea that we had at the, at the National Library of having a community of interest. So, I've set up a, a Wikimedia community of interest in the, the library. So, that meets every sort of six weeks or so largely just kind of me introducing the different projects at this stage and doing a little we're doing a wiki source one in a couple of weeks so it'll really just be a kind of an overview of the project and then a bit of a hands-on chance for people to try it out but looking to bring in kind of external speakers and people to come and talk about things they've done with collections and that sort of thing as well um, and we've got a we've got an intern working with me over the summer looking into how we can kind of make our approach to Wikimedia a lot more sort of strategic. So we've done a lot of dabbling over the years, but sort of pull a port together, sort of say, here's what we could do, here's what other organizations are doing, here's the sort of the impact, here's the possible sort of maybe staff resource we might need, all that kind of thing. So that'd be really interesting to sort of see what, what comes of that. So yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's getting good support from sort of senior management at the library to sort of try and try and build this stuff in. I think everyone appreciates the value of, of the Wikimedia project. It's just finding that time and making the most of, of when you do engage with it, making making sure that what you do is kind of more, most impactful and that kind of thing. But yeah, no more no plans for no more plans for Portobello yet, but hoping to do something maybe with around like Wikiloves monuments, get some volunteers to walk around the local area taking taking photos of the listed buildings because that's um that's a big project I like taking part in every year as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. Well, thank, thank you so much for your time, Gavin. I really appreciate it. No, you're very welcome. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.